Okay, welcome back everybody. It's nice to be uh, back uh, in circulation. So the topic that we scheduled and that we're actually going to speak about is uh, commerce with uh, forbidden items, it's not actually such a well-known iser necessarily to everybody. Like everyone knows that you're not supposed to get benefit from Isuri Hana, from things that are prohibited in benefit, like, for example, Basa B'cholop. So it's understood. Of course, we know that the Isur of Basa B'cholop is recorded three times in the Torah, once to teach you that you can't cook Basa B'cholop together, once to teach you that you can't eat Basa B'cholop that was cooked together, once to teach you an Isur Hana, you can't benefit from Basa B'cholop which is cooked together. And there are a number of articles, well, are you, is a Jew allowed to invest in McDonald's, for example, because there's Basavichalov, cheeseburgers that are being uh, cooked, and uh, therefore there would be a prohibition of getting benefits, so maybe you can't even be an investor. But what people don't think about necessarily as much is the fact that even with respect to the foods that are not Asavahana'a, if they are asamidaraisa, like for example, you're not allowed to eat uh, pork, you're not allowed to eat shrimp, uh, you're not allowed uh, to uh, eat um, uh, bugs, uh, things that are asar uh, minatara but aren't necessarily asar bahana'a, nonetheless, that there is a separate standalone prohibition that you're not allowed to do business, that you're not allowed to do commerce with respect to dvarim ha'asurim even non-kosher meat uh, that is not basa v'cholov. So this isn't as well-known, and I think one of the reasons it's not as well-known is uh, because it's not really spoken about in the Gemara that much. It's uh, alluded to in passing in the Gemara and Psachim, but mostly it's in Mishnayos, but not Mishnayos that you cover if you go to a regular Daf Yomishir, because the Mishnayos are in Masechah Shaviyas. Uh, so a person can make a siyam mashas and feel like, oh, well, I kind of know everything that I'm supposed to do because I covered all shas. But knowing a real siyam mashas is also um, uh, going to include mishnayas. So actually, every so often, I think I've done this twice over those last like five dafyomi cycles. So I tried this the last dafyomi cycle. I'll petition. Uh, the Moetzeh Gedolei Torah and say, oh, you know, at some point you added Mesech HaShkala and it wasn't there at the beginning. Maybe it's time to make another change. Maybe we should add all of Mishnayah's Rhyme and add all of Mishnayah's Tarot. So you added some Mishnayah's at the end of uh, Kachim, just to, to be able to cover all of Kachim. We have Midos, we have Kinim, we have... So why not? And we just follow the page like in the back of the Gemara in terms of how many Mishnayos are covered, so why don't we do the same? And generally they give some sort of response, nah, we don't want to mess with a good thing, and uh, then there'll be different competing Dapyomi programs, and not everybody's going to do the same thing, and so it's like some sort of, but they also, oh, they always answer me. Always answer me. I, I always make the petition. I say it's only going to add six months or so. I cash it out, and I think it's, I, I'm not giving it up. But, 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 but this is a good uh, example and an application of it because uh, this is an issue that sometimes you can miss if if you didn't do Mesech Shviyas, which is uh, part of Shas that's not covered in terms of Siyam Shas. Now, there are a couple of good treatments of this subject. There's a book by Rabbi Yosef Kushner. Uh, he's the uh, Shlita, he's the son-in-law 
of Shlomo Miller, uh, Shlita. He's, uh, he wrote a book on commerce and, uh, and Shabbos, which is very, very good. And he also wrote a book on commerce and Yisuri Hanar, which is an excellent book. It covers a lot of the questions, a lot of the subjects. So I highly recommend uh, this book, but it's not only about Yisuri Hanar. He also covers Shlomo Bidvarim HaAsuri, meaning for things that are not also Hanar. And it's an entire simon in Shulchan Arach Yeridea. Uh, that's an even more basic primary source recommendation. Just open up your Yoridea uh, and look at Simon Kuf Yud Zayin. It's only one sif, uh, and uh, that entire Simon is devoted to this uh, topic. And there's a wonderful new commentary to uh, the um, to the Simonim in Shulchan Aruch and Hilchos Macholi Akum Mehechsher Kalim, which is where this appears. Um, uh, which is uh, the commentary of the Chelkas Binyamin, who's written on a number of different sections of Shulchan Aruch, including various parts of Chosha Mishpah, and he has uh, a wonderful treatment of this uh, subject as well. So I looked at both of those farm and would recommend uh, those as good sources. So the starting point is the Mishnah in Mesech Shviyas, Perek Zayim, Mishnah Gimel, talks about uh, different uh, types of items uh, that are subject to Isurei Shviyas, so Shemitah Yir, Klipe Rimon, Ve'anetz, Peels of pomegranate and the blossom shalom, klipe agosin, nutshells, regulinin, fruits, uh, seeds, yeshlam, shvias. They are subject to laws of shvias, ledemeyan shvias, and so too if you would get money for them, the money would be subject to, to kedusha shvias. So, uh, with respect to the parish shvias, very often you're allowed to get your own personal benefit. Uh, you just uh, have to make sure that uh, you treat uh, any uh, remnants of the parish shvias with respect. That's why people have. A pach shvius for any leftovers from the food that they eat that, that is subject to kedusha shvius, but you're not allowed to engage in commerce. As we know, there's an isra of schora b'shvius. That people know. That people know because we talk a lot about the shmitiyat. So therefore, atzeret sovele atzmo, a person is allowed to use these fruits up to make it their own dye below yitzav b'schar, but not. To get a profit, that we know. But then the Mishnah goes on and says, and you know what else? You're not allowed to do um, commerce with. You're not allowed to do commerce with respect to firstborn uh, animals. Trumos, and that with respect to Truma, which is only available for Kohanim. And now we we go on to things that are also to everybody. Beloved Nebelos, I have an animal that fell that be that was not slaughtered properly. Uh, drop dead, it's a nevela, uh, so that is also to eat. Um, trepos, and similarly we know trepos, you're not allowed to, to eat. Shkotsim, and you're not allowed to eat um, the shkotsim, you can't eat uh, bugs and insects. etc. And then we have uh, some uh, continuing uh, halacha here uh, about how uh, it's not considered to be skora if a person gives it to, to uh, their son to to sell informally, fine. Um, but what we see, the main part of uh, this uh, uh, Mishnah that we need to focus upon is lo benebelis, lo betrepis, lo beshkotsim, lo bememasim. We see you're not allowed to do commerce with forbidden uh, items. It says the Bartanura, this is based on a pasuk in the Torah. The me'achad the cost of achmanet tmeim heim tmeim heim that these things are tmeim matzarek lo masut tmeim yiulachem. It says with respect to forbidden items tmeim yiulachem. Why does it have to say yiu? Ela echad the isra achid the echad the isra hana. 
So he uses the word Hana here imprecisely, I would say, though some say that the nature of the Isra Schorid is that it is some sort of a limited Isra of getting benefit, but really it means you can't, according to the way it's generally understood, it means an Isra in terms of uh, commerce. Um, so you'll say, but wait a second, but we do sometimes raise animals that in our farms that are Isra um, Lachila, like, uh, like donkeys and camels and horses and mules, so he says, no, because those are not raised for their food. They're raised for, you have racing horses, or they're going to pull your carriages, or the, the donkey is going to plow your field. Um, the Torah says, And we'll see the actual pasuk that's cited in the Gemara and Pesachim. It's a slightly different pasuk. Uh, the Matthew Shami discusses it as well. Um, uh, that uh, the uh, that the Isra only relates uh, to items that are number one Asr Minatora, and number two uh, these are items that are forbidden to be eaten. But anything which is not a Omeid Lachila, um, it's not something that you're raising for eating purposes. So then, even if it's something that intrinsically you can't eat, that's not subject to the Isra. The Batanur really spells out the basic parameters. It's only the foods that are prohibited from the Torah that you can't do business with. Um, if it's something which is only us and you're allowed to do business with it. So, let's say that you want to open up a restaurant that's not kosher. Um, because there's Bishal Akum, because the food is, would basically be kosher, except that it's uh, cooked by a non-Jew. And you have a, it's a dairy restaurant, and the cheeses, um, that don't have intrinsically any non-kosher ingredients, but they weren't supervised by a Jew, and you didn't have a Jew put in the rennet. Um, so therefore, it's subject to the Yisra Gabinas Akum. So you have Bishal Akum, you have Gabinas Akum, those are all the Suri Durabanan. You're allowed to have a non-kosher restaurant, assuming that you're not selling the food to Jews. That would be a Lithnaivir problem. If a non-Jewish clientele and all of the food is only Asam Midurabanan, no problem. Cholav Akum, Gvinas Akum, Bishal Akum, um, just um, do not worry about it. Um, that you would be allowed to have a, such a, a restaurant um, that would service non-Jews and you could get profits from a, such a restaurant. The Bartanura does say, and not entirely clear where he uh, got it from, but he says, says this, it seems to be an Ahagos, my money, as Rabbi Kushner points out, that, that says the same thing. He says that there is one type of Isra that we that is subject to an Isra Sechorah, and that's Stam Yenum. If you have wine of, that was manufactured by a non-Jew, uh, so then even though it's not an Isra Daraisa, it's only an Isra Midrabanan, we're worried it's going to lead to intermarriage and so forth, or that we assert it because there's a prohibition of Yainesech, of wine that actually is used as a libation to idolatry. Um, so when it comes to even Stam Yainam that was not used, of, and we don't know that it was used, for libation purposes, and we ask for that midrabanan, that included in that is to midrabanan is that you're not allowed to do skorah with it. Now we know that stam yenam is in fact more uh, strict than a certain other history midrabanan insofar as there's an isra hana. You're not allowed to get benefit from stam yenam. But that's a separate discussion that we're not going to really um, focus on too much tonight, but it happens that it's a big machlokis bizman azed. The Ramah says in Simen Kof Chav Gimel in Yoridea that since nowadays the non-Jews don't really use the wine for libation purposes, 
So uh, even though stamienum is still prohibited insofar as you can't drink stamienum, but you are allowed to get benefit from stamienum. But then he says, but not everyone agrees, and really you only can get benefit if it's bimokum hepsed. So it's not entirely clear. Um, some postgame are very makele nowadays to say that there's no real isser hanar when it comes to stamienum. The shock says that uh, really the strict black letter law is you need some serious hepsed consideration in order to get benefit from a stamienum. Uh, so it could be that the Isser Sechora is related a little bit to, to whenever it is that we would say that it's prohibited to get Hana from, from Stamyenim. Rabbi Kushner argues that maybe they're two separate things. Maybe even if you would be otherwise permitted in Hana, just like Dvarim HaAsurim that we're discussing now, like um, non-kosher meat, uh, that's not Asa Bahana, but there's an Isser Sechora, maybe the Isser Sechora would still remain with respect to Stamienim. That's a big question mark because the Dachit Shuva, his commentary to Shulchan Aruch, points out that there were many who were makele nowadays to say, well, once we're makele, uh, that B'makam Hepseid, uh, you're allowed to get benefit from Stamienim. So that's sort of a justification for all the wine merchants out there who make their living uh, selling non-kosher wine. So it would seem that he kind of is not uh, um, indicating that there would be a separate standalone Isser scorer that would remain even when you do away with the Isser, uh, with the Isser or not. Um, yes, question, Larry. So if I'm, somebody's shechting an animal and it goes wrong, you can't sell that animal to an animal? Ah, such a good question. So let's look at the next Mishnah. Okay, Mishnah Masech HaShviyas, Perik Zion, Mishnah Dalit. Okay, Rokok Bechor L'Mishteh Beno. Let's say that you bought a bechor um, for, uh, I assume a bechor that had a mum, had a blemish, so you can serve it for a feast. But now it turns out that it's left over. You're going to have to like throw the remaining meats, uh, meat um, leftovers into the garbage. So no, you don't have to do that, Larry. If it's just left over, you didn't originally set it aside for commerce, but it's just left over, so then we'll let you sell it. Or, Sadeh, this is more related specifically to things that are actually Asr, because in a separate category. Sadeh, if I have um, uh, people who are hunters, and they hunt uh, animals like venison or duck or fish and they're, they're fishermen or whatever and and the fishermen's net or in their hunting um, activities they end up with non-kosher animals non-kosher fish non-kosher birds or you're shechting an animal area and it turns out you didn't shecht it properly so it ends up being unavailable that wasn't your intention so there the Torah already says so we know the Torah says you're allowed to sell that but even these things you would be allowed to sell them you would be allowed to sell them and then the Mishnah goes on to have some sort of different interpretations how much it relates to our sugi or not but it seems according to one interpretation Rabbi Yudha is saying that even if uh, the person was not a hunter, he's not doing this for a living, and he's not going to be taxed um, uh, for the animals that he hunted so that he would otherwise suffer a loss. It's just like your regular Joe, who uh, ends up uh, with the non-kosher meat uh, through no fault of his own or her own, then uh, they would be allowed in what we call nizdamnu lehem. If it's a nizdamnu situation, you happen to chance upon it, you weren't looking explicitly 
to go into business with non Goshemi, but it happened to end up in your hands, um, so then that would be permissible, and we would hold, we would hold like that shita. So we hold like the shita of Nizdamnu. Uh, and, um, all of this seems to be reflected in the, uh, in the Sugiyam Sakhim. If you look in source four, which is where this comes up. Now, it comes up in the Sugiyam Sakhim in a rather long, a rather long, um, and involved sugya. In which Rabbi Yavo says, whenever the Torah says lo you can't eat something, it means you also can't benefit from it. And Chizkiah says, no, nah, if it says lo you can benefit from it. If it says lo achel in the passive sense, so that means you can't benefit from it. And there are various kashas that are asked of either Rabbi Yavo or asked on both of them. So this is one of the kashas that's asked on both shitas. Bereshratzim, I bekripi crawly figures. The Torah says you better not eat them lo achel which would mean that it sounds like an Isra Hana, both according to Rabbi Yavo and Chizkia. Utanan, and yet the Mishnah says in Shiviyas, Sayyadi Chayav Ophes Dagim Shistamna meaning to Mayim, Mutanu Ochon and Ochrim. That you are allowed to get benefit because if you're a hunter and you're Nizdamnu, you ended up with some non kosher food, some non kosher meats or fish whatever, in your various uh, hunting or fishing um, expeditions, so then you are allowed to get benefit from the. You're allowed to sell it. You're allowed to engage in commerce. So we say, no. Shiny awesome, that's Xeris Akasov. It says, the Amakral Lachem. It says, now, the specific Pasuk here is, B'Shekes Yu Lachem, and Vayikra Parakid Aleph, Pasukid Aleph. Since it says, Lachem, it means, Shalachem Yehei, it's yours. You can do with it as you wish. Meaning, so, If that's the case, why only in a case of Nizdamna? Why only in a case where it ends up in your hands? It should be that you should be allowed to engage in selling and commerce when it comes to non-kosher food. So why is it only when Nizdamna? So it says, no. It says, but it also says, so it's a shekets. It's going to be shekets. It's going to be abominable to you. When you have non-kosher uh, foods and the like, yiyu, meaning that we start off, the starting point is you're not allowed to do commerce, but lachem means that, ah, if nizdamnu, it happens to fall into your net, it happens to fall into your trap, um, it happens uh, to uh, be shot by your, by your arrow, um, so uh, what happens when you shechted the animal, it uh, turns out that it's a nevelo, or it turns out it's a trefa, um, so then you would be allowed to do commerce under those uh, circumstances. So that is uh, basically, uh, the sugi, it sounds very much, it sounds very much like this is an Isra Daraisa. sounds like it's an Isra Daraisa. that's how the Chsam Sofer rules. Most posts give are of the uh, opinion, this is not merely an Issa Durabana, it is an Issa Duraisa. If it's an Issa Duraisa, why do we distinguish then between uh, different types of uh, foods? We say, if it's Omei La'achila, it's not Omei La'achila. Um, so it could be it's one of these Issa Duraisa, where no Masran Akasa where the Torah essentially is giving latitude, like we see here. On the one hand, it says, Yiyu, it's Aser. On the other hand, it says, Lachem, sometimes it's Mutter. So therefore, the Torah is like extending an invitation to the Chachamim, saying, okay, I'm telling you it's sometimes Mutter, and sometimes Aser, you Chachamim, you go and figure it out. You should be Magdir when it's Aser and when it's Mutter, but it's basically understood to be, uh, to be a Deraisa. If it's your case, how do you differentiate, or do you ask the Shiloh, how, how do you differentiate? Between one and what? Whether it's mutter or whether it's Um So generally speaking, said the main point of differentiation that we said is that if it's uh, something which is asam in the Torah, so then that's included in the prohibition. The Chachamim did not extend it to foods which are only asr midrabanan. 
Uh, and secondly, um, it would only be since we find that this pasuk b'shekes yulachem is only with respect to things that are usher as um, things that you're not allowed to eat. So therefore, we don't extend it to, to all the suri deraisa, even things that, that are not uh, prohibited from um, that, that are thing, even things that are prohibited for other reasons. So <laughs> if if it's something that I'm not allowed to eat. Uh, so then I'm not allowed to do commerce with it. Uh, but if it's a not something, even let's say it's something which I can't eat, but I'm not setting it aside as food. So this is all, Beshekis is referring to something that normally is usher in the sense that you're not allowed to eat it. But let's say it's a dog that normally you would have as a pet. Now I'm not allowed to eat a dog, but on the other hand, if I'm raising it as a pet and I'm selling it to somebody as a pet, so therefore, that's something where it's reasonable to say that's not included in the Yisr because it's not being, being raised for that purpose. There's a separate machlokis. Let's say that it's normally something which is raised for, for food. Uh, you have a, a certain uh, type of uh, livestock um, which uh, people generally will eat as, uh, as for non-kosher food purposes. However, uh, you personally are preparing it for non-food purposes. So, uh, like for the oil, the skins, or something like that. Like you're raising rabbits. Um, so a lot of people would raise rabbits in order to, in certain societies, in order to eat the rabbits. But you're eating, you're raising the rabbits for the rabbit fur. Um, so do we say that if 90% of people in society are raising rabbits to eat the rabbits, and you're a part of the 10% that's only raising it for the fur, that you would be allowed to engage in the commerce, or do we say that we go after the rope? So this is an interesting uh, question, and uh, the um, and it's a maklokis. It's a maklokis. Tosros uh, says uh, that uh, in this uh, situation, uh, you go after your particular intent. And if your particular intent is to raise it for a food, uh, so uh, then it would be uh, then it would be permissible. And uh, there is uh, the opinion of the Shach, uh, of the Rashba, excuse me. The Rashba is of the opinion that no, uh, it depends upon the majority. If the majority raise a particular type of animal for food, even if you want to only sell it for non-food purposes, it would still be usher. Um, how you decide in these various makwokasim may depend on whether you hold it's a derisa drabun and be more inclined to be mako when it's a suffix if it's only a nisa drabun as opposed to if it's a derisa. This is a little bit of an uncertainty whether we paskin like toasters or whether we paskin like the rash. But Amnu means uh, that if it falls into my lap, I can do commerce, which means I can make a profit. But the idea of just recouping my basic costs um, so that I might be able to do it. Recouping costs, so that would probably uh, that would probably be okay. This comes up even with the suri hana. Uh, that sometimes recouping costs can be okay if it's a question of just nullifying a sale. Um, for example, one of the questions uh, that occurs uh, sometimes is somebody buys uh, some wine, they think, or they buy some liquor, they buy some liquor, not wine, they buy some liquor after Pesach and then they discover that uh, this was liquor that was owned by a Jewish distributor who didn't sell their chumets. And now they're stuck because they spent $100 for this fancy liquor. Are they allowed to return it? Do we say that that's getting hanah? Or do we say, no, that's just revoking the sale. That's not considered to be getting hanah. No, it is if I'm making a profit. Or if it completely belonged to me, and now I'm making some money from something that belonged to me. But if by returning it, it's considered like I'm revoking the sale so it never belonged to me in the first place. So then, number one, I'm not making money from something that belongs to me. And number two, I'm certainly not making a profit. So that should be permissible. So Rabbi Kushner thinks that that would be permissible. He thinks that under those circumstances, it would be permissible. 
permissible. I tend to agree with him. It's a question that uh, that uh, came up recently at the CRC because of some consumers who had mistakenly uh, uh, purchased uh, liquor without realizing that it was Chomet Sha'av or Lava Pesach, wanted to know whether they were allowed to return it or not. Okay. Tovas Hanaf for giving away. No, that's considered to be an actual benefit. If I'm going to even um, purchase, let's say, a non-kosher food, because I want to give it as a gift to my housekeeper or my mailman or whatever, um, as a holiday present or you know whatever it is, or my secretary as a token of appreciation. So that's considered to be mekachomemka, because when I give a gift, generally it's in return for the fact that somebody has done something good for me. So that's considered to be uh, that's considered to be problematic. But now, I mean if you yeah, it, I mean if you act, somebody gave it to you as a gift, not knowing that you're, you're kosher. Somebody gave you what? Like a non-kosher bottle of wine. Bottle of wine is pro- that would be problematic. They give you a non-kosher bottle of wine, so then that's actual. That's actually asa bahana. If they gave you a non, if they gave you, uh, let's say, non-kosher liquor, not chomik shavu lava pesach, whatever, something that was non-kosher. Um, but not based on, I don't know what the Isser might be. Let's say it just had some ingredient in it that was a non-kosher ingredient other than wine. Uh, then the, it was not an Isser Hana, but it was just an Isser Achila. So then, if it was Nisdamnu, uh, even if it would be a Daraisa problem, you would be allowed to sell it and make money off of it. But if it's an Isser Hana, um, so then you have much more of a problem. Now, in the case of Stam Yenam, if it would be Mamakum Hepseid, if you would otherwise suffer a loss, so then there might be more room to be mekel. So you can argue that whoever gave it to you, maybe they gave it to you because they really owed you something. They gave you a gift because you had done an, a toba, you had done something nice to them. You're a doctor, you operated on them for free. And you said, no, it's okay, no charge. Um, but you're kind of hoping they'll give you something as appreciation and now they give you this gift. So there's really like payment and uh, if you're not going to get anything out of it, you're just going to lose the fact that you provided a medical treatment and you didn't get any money off of it. So maybe in that case, it could be considered to be Malcolm Hefseid, and then maybe you would be able to, you know, turn it in uh, to the store or sell it and, and get some money out of it. So you have to make that assessment. Those are some of the arguments, and especially if you hold like those uh, shitos that bismanazeh stam yenim is not really yasa bahana. So there would there would be something to discuss in that particular case. Can you own like shares in McDonald's or something? Okay, so shares in McDonald's becomes very problematic because that's an isra But then a related question could be. Can I own shares in some other business that um, just um, does business with non-kosher meats? Okay, so uh, let's say that it's uh, some sort of an industry that is not busted the color per se, um, but can I own shares in a business that uh, does uh, that uh, makes money off of selling shrimp, for example, which could be an isra uh, of non-kosher non-kosher fish? Um, or let's say some sort of non-kosher fowl product. So what are um, what are my limitations? So Ramosha Feinstein has a tshuva that is in source twenty-five on page six on the bottom, where he says that if you own a share in a company, he is not talking about that does business in forbidden foods, but he's talking about where it does a business on Shabbos. So do you have a problem owning shares when they do business on Shabbos? And he says that you don't really have an ownership when you have a share, when you have shares in the company, because nobody could care less 
what your opinion is about anything. Um, and really, all that you own is not the merchandise of the company, um, but all that you own is the right to dividends, uh, to share whenever there's a profit or a loss, uh, that's really all that you have. And the fact that you might have some voting rights to decide who's going to be the president of the company, the chairman of the board, or something like that, says what Moshe Feinstein is, Rak Petumi Mili Biyama. Is it really just to, like to make you feel important? But you don't really have any kind of authority whatsoever. The people who are really running the company are going to do um, whatever they want. The ones who are really running the company. Um, he says only if you have a mita meruba, if you have a very significant interest in the company, so then it could be uh, potentially uh, problematic. But if you have a small interest in the company, um, then it's not going to be problematic for purposes of what they do on Shabbos. And so too... Most post-game assume that you can extend that principle of a Moshe Feinstein. If you hold like him and Rabbi Yashiv once wrote a tshuva saying, you know, basically, Parhorizokin, uh, Moshe ruled this, and that's basically what we all follow, even though there were those who disagreed with him, and said if it's just shares in a company, you don't really have to worry, and the same would apply, presumably, if they did some business with, uh, with non-kosher food, even if maybe their main business was with non-kosher food, if you just uh, have uh, shares in the company. But if you have a major, if you're a major <coughs> stakeholder in the company, um, so then it would seem like if the main focus of the company, if you have enough of a share in the company that you can dictate uh, what's going uh, to be done. So then any ownership in the company, the Kassam Sofer rules, is uh, considered, and many other postkim as well, uh, they rule that it is uh, considered to be a problem with You might say uh, that what's the Tam Ha'isr? The Tam Ha'isr, some say, is, well, maybe you'll, if you do commerce with the non-kosher food, you might come to eat it. Um, so you might say, well, then if I'm really just managing the business and I have some non-Jew who's the one who's coming in direct contact with buying and selling the non-kosher animals and the non-kosher fish, and I never even see the fish or the animals, I just see the money, so maybe that's going to be okay. So the Ksam Sofa says no, because maybe once, the, once we assume that it's an Issa Midoraisa, that it's an Issa from the Torah, which is what most of postgame, as we saw, Tosus assumes that way, so then you have to assume it's a, that lo darshin and time the quo, that uh, even if it seems that the reason might be, because you might come to eat something, even if that wouldn't be applicable, if you simply are an owner of the business, so it's automatically problematic, and that's how we generally uh, would assume. So what you would have to do if you had um, a major share in a company which was involved with the purchase and sale of non-kosher food on a derisa level, you would have to um, ensure that all profits from the non-kosher foods would only go to the non-Jewish partners. You would have to structure it in such a way um, that you would not get any part of uh, the uh, the benefit of those um, of those sales, that it would sort of be isolated from your possession. If it was only a small part of the business, um, that you have a, 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 a significant stake in it, not just as a shareholder, but a significant stake in a business where only a small part of the business is to be involved in non-kosher foods. So the Maharshag actually dealt with this uh, question. The Maharshag dealt with somebody who has an, an investment in a syrup factory, and the syrup factory um, buys um, uh, has leftover syrup sometimes, and they use the leftover syrup to fatten up pigs that they would then be able to sell, and they had to obviously buy and sell the pigs. 
uh, as part of the business was only a very small part of the business. So therefore he says, you know, he considers that to be just sort of nizdamnu, something that falls into your, into your lap, um, and because it's only incidental, and therefore he thought that that would, uh, basically, uh, that that would basically be okay. Of course, he's assuming that we wouldn't treat pigs more stringently, which Tosos indicated maybe we should treat uh, pigs more stringently. So that's a, a separate that's a separate question. Um, uh, but yeah, that basically, uh, if you are going to be a major shareholder in a business that primarily is involved with non with commerce and non kosher foods, that's going to be a major problem. That's going to be a major problem. And for sure, it's going to be a problem if it is something which is asabana, because there we're much more strict. When it comes to things that asabana, we have additional categories of stringency uh, that if you are benefiting even remotely or indirectly, uh, because it's a, uh, there's no heads of niznamnu, first of all, that it happens to fall on your lap, there's no heads if it's an isra like basabakhalab, and if it's anything where rotsibikiyumo, that it's in your interest that, that uh, they continue to, that uh, this basabakhalab operation continue, um, because you're going to indirectly benefit from it, so we call rotsibikiyumo, so that is uh, generally assumed to be prohibited whenever there's an isra so isra going to be much more problematic. I'm not really focusing so much on the Yisraeli because it's enough to talk about things that are just usher because they're they're usher. Uh, because I have uh, you know like uh, non kosher fish, non kosher bird, fowl, non kosher uh, non kosher meat. So I wanted to talk about uh, some of the other issues that uh, that come up. Yes. So, so uh, do I infer from what you're saying that by the Yisraeli Hanar of Moshe's heter for a small number of shares wouldn't apply? If it's uh, that's an interesting question, but Moshe's Hetzer might apply even in that case so, because so in that case because in that case Ramosha maybe because Ramosha would say if it's a, that you don't really own anything in that particular case so you don't really own anything so that that's that, that's that's an interesting question there, there might be a Hetzer um, if it's but uh, but but it's not but it's not entirely clear because as you said. Uh, even if you don't really own anything, it's still Rotsebikiyumo. You're still happy uh, that, that they're doing this business with the non-kosher food because you're getting a benefit. So, mm-hmm. so, it, might, so it might be also. Even with, with, with Ramosh. I don't want to give... I, I think it, it, it would still be problematic. I think any time that they're doing business with the bus of a call of it's going to be it's going to be problematic. If it's very incidental so that you're not really getting a profit based on the bus of a call of, you get like the same benefit even if they didn't deal with bus of a call of, so then it probably will be okay. But if it's going to be substantial, so then that's going to be more problematic, probably even according to Rav Moshe. Yes, I think that's a valid point. Um, now, the base Yosef, if you look at source 8, um, so the base Yosef says uh, that there is uh, another important uh, caveat with respect to Nizdamein, and that is uh, that um, you, when we allow you to make a profit off of it, it has to be that you make a profit immediately, that you don't leave it in your possession, because if you leave it in your possession, we're worried about a takola. So in the, he quotes in Orchos Chaim, if you look at the second to last line of the first paragraph, he says, That you have to get rid of it immediately. You can't just leave it in your possession. We're worried about a tekola. Maybe you might come to eat it. Um, so therefore, even though you can make a profit if it falls into your lap, you're not allowed to keep it for a sustained period of time. Now, this is very important because... There's a big machlokis about how far we extend this principle of nizdamein. Like, 
um, you have uh, the person who's the hunter who actually ends up getting some of uh, the non-kosher meat or fish in uh, the uh, in his possession. But let's say uh, that when you go out, you have the original intention, oh, I'm going to trap a bunch of animals, and some of them are going to be non-kosher. It's like what you want. So that might be a little bit more uh, problematic. The, uh, the Taz talks about the following case in Source 15. He quotes from his, the, his father-in-law, the Bach says that it used to be that you can rent out an entire city or an entire village from whoever was the czar or the uh, the feudal landlord of that area, and then you would get the, the benefit from whatever was located within, within the village. Uh, you had animals there, so you would be able to make uh, money from selling the animals, working the animals, whatever, um, so now you're renting this entire area from the governor of and there are also some pigs that are inside of the chazir um, so uh, the box said that the uh, if a person then takes advantage of the pigs that are there it's not really such a good thing so the Taz says no I don't agree with that says since uh, the main reason that you are renting the area is uh, for all of uh, the mutter animals and all of the permitted usages of all the animals that are there so if there happens to be a little bit of eating of pork that is uh, fed to the workers he says that that's not going to be a prohibition uh, per uh, per se um, and look at three lines from the bottom and the fact that they're going to grow up during this period of the that's considered to be like it's an isdamein that it just happened to fall into your lap and therefore uh, that would be that would be permissible so that's a big chiddish of the um, of the taz um, but um, the uh, even the taz which not everybody uh, agrees with because uh, some say that uh, it's not uh, since uh, the person knows ahead of time um, uh, that uh, they're going to have uh, these uh, uh, that they're going to have these pigs on the farm, so therefore it's sort of an intentional choice. And secondly, you're not getting rid of them right away. You're leaving them to get bigger and fatter and then have be slaughtered and be fed to the workers. So it's not um, uh, so clear. But even if you would be makele like the Taz, so Rabbi Kushner in his Sefer says, even if you'd be makele like the Taz, this is when you're renting the entire area once. When you're renting the entire area, so there happen to be some non-kosher animals there. So okay, you'll take advantage of the non-kosher animals that happen to be there. But... The Yarach HaShokhan, after quoting the Taz, this is a famous Yarach HaShokhan, infamous maybe, Yarach HaShokhan, source 16. So he quotes uh, the Taz, and he says that there are those who are Misramim, there are those who complain about this, uh, but uh, the Bach and the Shach uh, don't like this, uh, don't like this. But he says, They said that it is considered to be uh, okay because it, uh, because it's... Um, you can't do it any other. Uh, you can't do it any other way. 
And he thinks uh, that uh, maybe this is okay. Look at three lines from the bottom towards the end. Torah only prohibits when your main kavana is for the non-kosher um, food. But if your main kavana is really the mutter stuff, it's just that you can't get the mutter stuff without the isa stuff, so then that would be knistamnu. Mutter, that's considered knistamnu, and that's mutter, and he quotes the Taz favorably. But then he goes a step further, and he says, let's say I want to have a supermarket, and I want to have only kosher food, but I know the non-Jews are not going to patronize my supermarket if they don't also have non-kosher food that they can buy in my supermarket. So therefore, I'm going to go out of my way to buy non-kosher food so that I'll be able to have a successful business because otherwise my supermarket will just not make it unless I really have a very strong phone community like Chicago and I'll put up a Sarah's tent or something like that. But um, if I live in an area where if you're not selling everything, you're just not going to be able to make ends meet by having a supermarket. So can I go out and explicitly buy? This isn't that I bought a farm. Or I rented a farm and there happened to be some uh, some pigs, you know, or McDonald's, you know, had a pig. Um, uh, but I, I, this is a, my specifically going out and um, deliberately and intentionally buying the non-kosher items so that I will have a more expansive supermarket. Can I do that? So says the Yalka Shokan, well, I'm not telling you you can do it, but I'm not going to tell you you can't do it. I'm going to be Malamed Schuss on those who do it. Malamed Schuss means... I'm giving a green light. You're the Yalach HaShochan. And you're Malamed Tzchus, you're giving a green light. Just saying. When we say Yeshigam came, Lelamed Tzchus, Abale Koniyos, Amartefim, Shemachzikim, Eslam, Mechim, Abitzov, Shari, Dram, Gam, Kirbe, Dogim, Tameim, that they have these um, fish caviar that's treif, comes from treif fish. Avagan, you're the rice, so Mishim, they said, Dom, and Gam, 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 Dogim, Tameim, Atar, Miyachan. It's like the, the fisherman who traps the the, 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 the kosher and the non-kosher fish together. Um, since you basically want the good uh, kosher uh, kosher fish, um, and if you're not going to get to, to buy the other things, um, you're not going to buy the kirvei dogim in the fourth line. You're not going to be able to make the money off of the other foods. And it's going to, you have a lot of course that you're putting into this successful enterprise. It's like nizdamnu. It's like the fisherman who ends up, or the hunter who ends up with the non-kosher meat, or, or, or non-kosher animals. The pidas habe in a postgim habe hetem because of the master you have to pay. But pilu dravenu sham the enum neim master even if has nothing to do with the taxes. Mikomakom habe kitzdias tovim utamei miyachad. It's like a, a trapping kosher and non-kosher animals together. Moskivas hakatzerim like the case of the taz. Um, so comes along the Ramosha uh, Feinstein and he says, I don't agree. I don't agree with the Yerach HaShokhan. And this was a big deal because this Shiloh, we come in front of Rabbi Schwartz a lot because you have people with business enterprises where there was like a serious Shiloh about could they make uh, their, their business wouldn't work if they wouldn't also uh, buy non-kosher hot dogs and sell non-kosher hot dogs and stuff like that. Um, uh, there's a little bit of, of a question there was a practice for many decades here in Chicago, which is that you had these vendors uh, from the from community at Wrigley Field and maybe Soldier Field or whatever, selling all kinds of things, and some of it was non-kosher. Now, if we're dealing with Cracker Jacks or whatever, uh, that you know, without a hexer or something, so like peanuts, uh, you know, popcorn and Cracker Jack, then that probably is not going to be worse than an instant through a button, but. If they are walking around with um, 
if they're walking around with uh, with hot dogs uh, and they're selling the hot dogs, I think some people are selling selling the hot dogs. I so that to sell I'm sorry. I refuse. Okay, no, good, good for you, Larry. But that's uh, <laughs> but that but, but that's mamish skarvidaramasur. So here you have a big machlokus. I mentioned before that we're machmir on the one end that if you're an owner, you're part owner. Uh, even if the Nanju is doing all of the work uh, for you, then it's still going to be a problem with Star Bidura Masur. We mentioned what if you only own shares and all that, we get into that. But what if it's the reverse side? You're not an owner at all, you're just a worker. If somebody else is the owner and you walk around as a worker. So there were postkim who said that there's no problem if you're just a worker. You're just a worker, you're not an owner, so then you're not really well, the one doing the Star Bidura Masur. But the Ksam Sofer said, Sam Sofer says that you have a problem in both directions. You need, number one, you can't be an owner, but number two, you also can't be a worker who's coming in direct contact with the food because then we have the problem of Shem Yochel, that the, the, if, if we assume that the entire Isser really was premised potentially upon maybe you're going to come to eat it. So the Sam Sofer says, even though Lo Darshin and Taim and but, you know, the Taim and counts for something, um, uh, that if you're a worker and you're coming into direct contact with the food, so then that would be that would be problematic. So the Sam Sofa held that uh, you could, you wouldn't be allowed, for example, to be a waiter. You couldn't be a waiter according to the, in a non-kosher a restaurant if you're directly serving the food, because the assumption is that a number of the posts can make this assumption that waiters are allowed to, you know, you're, you're constantly going back and forth in the kitchen every now and then. It's understood. Part of like the job perks benefits that you can grab some food, you know, here and there. They're going to allow you to take a little bit. Uh, I guess maybe that varies by the restaurant. Maybe they, they, I mean, some places they just allow you to have it, like, at a cheaper price. But you see waiters all the time, you know, during downtime in a restaurant. They're sitting at a table eating, you know, some of the food. That's a, they're, they're, So, therefore, it's a real temptation. And that would be that would be awesome. Moshe Feinstein says that if you're just a delivery person, so then that's not going to be a problem. If you're a delivery person for Isser Hanah, and you're getting a benefit because of the fact that you're transporting, you know, uh, a, a bus of a chalav. So then, even if I'm not worried that you, even if you're not an owner, and even if you're not going to eat the food, you're still getting a benefit that you're being paid as a delivery driver. So that could be you know, that could be a problem. But let's say it's not bus of a chalav. You're just transporting shrimp, or you're transporting non-kosher salami, or something like that. So Moshe held that, that would be okay uh, because you're not going to. Uh, be likely to be eating any of the food because if you do that, you're going to lose your job. Um, so if it's a type of job where you're not going to be allowed to pilfer the food and that you're going and then you'll basically get your head served on a plate. So <laughs> then he says that that would be uh, that would be an exception. That would be okay. What about delivering it to a Jew? No, no, no. If you're delivering to a Jew, there's a separate of of so You look at source 23. That's what Moshe Chelak Aleph Simon and Aleph. So he says if it's an egg loan uh, that is uh, transporting Moshe Feinstein, um, it says that in this particular case, he thinks uh, that it would be um, it would be okay uh, because even according to the Kassam Sofer, um, uh, there's, that's only a, a question um, where uh, you're uh, being engaged in some level in uh, the, the running of the business um, or you'd be uh, fearful that you're going to come to eat the food. But he says here you don't have to worry about that, that because uh, the person is... Uh, um, take a look at the second paragraph, end of the first line. Um, we're not worried that the person is going to steal the food. 
So he's not going to eat it even if it was potato chips that with a, with a, with an OU. The guy means siyari mayabaylim because he's going to be fearful. He's going to lose it. He's going to lose his job. So therefore, in, in this particular case, um, he's, um, he's 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 But if it would be like a situation of a waiter, so a waiter would be um, a waiter would be a problem. Um, uh, what about if you be like a cashier in a supermarket? Cashier in a supermarket should also be okay because if the cashier would just like imagine you're standing and waiting, you know, for the food to you know be put in your your bags, and they say, "Oh, I'm I'm really hungry. Let me have some of this," and they chomp it up a little bit and then put it in. You know, they're probably not going to keep their job either. So <laughs> therefore, cashier, assuming that they're not dealing with the suri hana, then that would probably also be um, that would probably also be okay. So that's you know talking about again um, with respect to to being a poel, but if you're now the owner of this enterprise of the supermarket, so the Yerach Hashokhan had said, yeah, you can go out and buy the non-kosher food uh, in order that you'll be able to make a, a living off of the kosher food and make a profit because that's considered to be Nizdamnu. So Moshe Feinstein says, I don't know what the Yerach Hashokhan is talking about. That doesn't make any sense to me. Take a look at uh, Igor's Moshe, source 17, he says of Aladina, he says, I think it's Usr. He says, I have I have a good reason why this would not be considered to be Nizdamin. Because you're doing this on a regular basis. Nizdamin means that by happenstance some uh, non-kosher animals ended up in your trap or non-kosher fish ended up in your net. But here, you're setting yourself out to do this on a Kabua basis. We don't find that Nizdamin is the head of Panasa. Nizdamin doesn't say, oh, if to make a living, you're allowed to get non-kosher food. No, it's, I mean, Nizdamin, it fell into your lap. You got a Yerusha. It fell into your net, something like that. But you weren't specifically going after it. You're going to specifically make a point of buying the non-kosher meat. Just like you're not allowed to say, oh, I need to make a panasa, so I'm going to sell non-kosher hot dogs. We don't find that there's such a rule. Nizdamin means that I'm primarily focused on the kosher food and some non-kosher food fell into my net. Um, so therefore he said, He says, they're not like what the Yorok HaShulchan says. So go down about three lines and he gives another explanation. Um, um, look at the very end of the Yorok HaShulchan. He says, And then he says that we also have this other principle that we saw in the Beis Yosef. It's codified by the Ramah that even in Nizdamen, you're obligated to get rid of something right away. So if my idea is that I want my store to be regularly stocked with this food, which is the non-kosher food, so that people will be comfortable eating, you know, buying the other food in my supermarket. So that's not something that I'm struggling to get rid of immediately. Um, now, there might be a way out of that problem because it's only a problem, it's only a requirement to sell it immediately if you're looking to make a profit. But if you're selling, if you're holding on to it in order to recoup your original investment, that would be permissible. So if the person goes, is careful that anything which is non-kosher in their store, they're going to sell at the cost. They're not going to make any profit whatsoever. So maybe there'd be more of a cooler in terms of holding on to it. But, the, but in terms of the first criticism or the first um, uh, the, the first uh, objection that Moshe Feinstein had to the Yarach HaShokhan that it's Pekvius so you can't really get a, out of that one uh, so easily so that's going to be that's going to be problematic so, so this so, is with the Tarkus 
If yeah. something that doesn't spoil and the market went down after you bought it, you can wait for the market to go up even if it would take time because you want to recoup your profits? Um, you recoup your price. You can't not not property. Recoup, recoup your if, if, if it's a question of recouping your cost, so that would be okay. So we did have somebody, yeah, a very erlachayid, who contacted us. They wanted to open up a supermarket, and they wanted to know what am I allowed to sell in the supermarket. So I went to my trusted uh, crackerjack uh, rabbinic uh, coordinator, Rabbi David Cohen, and I said, "Could you break it down for me?" And he actually made a whole list. So we had like a three, four page list of everything. That would typically be sold in the supermarket, what you're allowed to have, what you're not allowed to have, and so forth. And he figured out a lot of the foods um, that are sold in supermarkets are only derabanans, um, in terms like natural cheese, um, and, um, the, uh, and, and yogurts, and um, a lot of the things, that, uh, crackers, cookies, bottled juices, um, that don't have a hexher, to the extent that they have ingredients that may be problematic, they're likely butter, at least on a derisa level. They're likely butter on a derisa level. Even something which has an ingredient that gives flavor that we say is not going to be bottle because it's a vidalataima, the whole principle that something is a vidalataima is not bottle is itself a dindra butter. So we have a lot of kulos with respect to many of the foods. Most of the things that he found that you absolutely could not allow under any circumstances would be meats. And uh, and seafood and sausages dog and food, uh, frankfurters and uh, things of that sort. No, dog food is not a problem to sell because it has to be something which you're actually selling for people to eat. If it's so to feed to a dog, you have an isra no problem with um, things that are busted the color unless you hold like the nakud and the flow of the Rambam, that if it's uh, the meat was trade because it was in Avela, that you don't have an Isser Hana, but we don't generally assume that way. The Nodabiyuda says that perhaps they move, maybe you rely upon it, but not everyone was comfortable in Nodabiyuda. There are Schwartz held that you can rely upon the Nodabiyuda, but that's a separate discussion. Um, but we actually went through a lot of it. One of the questions that arises is that there is um, a, a, a lot of the fruits and vegetables, so they have bugs, as we know. Bugs are asamidaraisa. So what about you're in the business that you're selling fruits and vegetables? So number one, That's people one can bug. clean them off and they can get rid of the bugs. Um, and But number two, the main header that the Prechadosh has, the Premagadon courses in Source 19, Simon Beidalit, the Prechadosh says that people are not paying extra money for the bugs. Believe it or not. <laughs> people are not going to pay extra for the bugs. So uh, therefore, um, uh, that, that's, a, what, that's the Sabara that is largely uh, relied upon in terms of, in terms of selling that. Um, but one of the things that really was the question was, uh, what about the wine? Uh, are we going to allow that or not? So there is some room um, uh, that uh, perhaps uh, since uh, it's, uh, there is this Allah HaShokhan anyway that says that you could be mekel, and even though many posts can disagree, like with Moshe Feinstein and the Dachit Shul, but since you do have the Ramah that says that B'mokam Hefseid, you are allowed to get benefit from Astam Yenam, and it seems from the Dalchi Shuba that to some extend that even to Sekhora, so there might be more room for somebody who's running the supermarket to have wines um, that might be Astam Yenam in the, in the supermarket if the matter requires um, a further analysis. Yes? the problem that a Jew may be the one who's buying um, no, again, you're not supposed to sell, but if you know that the majority of your customers are going to be non-Jews, as we mentioned before, so you generally can assume that any purchaser will be in the majority, um, and that therefore that would be a cool in that regard. But of course, otherwise, if you know your consumers are Jews, you can't sell them anything which is not kosher, even on a drabana level, that goes, um, that goes without saying. Um, there's, 
Uh, the nursing home is a big issue in terms of... Uh, the, the, so there, you're not presumably making a profit you know, from the non-Jew. On the other hand, it's helping your overall enterprise. So there is a mock locus between the mock and the, and the shach about am I allowed to take food which is non-kosher on a derisive level and I'm not going to make money off of it, I'm just going to feed it to my workers who are working in my house. So the Ramah says, no, you can't even feed it to, to your workers. And the shach says, why not? Why can't I feed it to my workers? I'm not making a profit. That's the equivalent to my just using something. Um, he says, why? No, 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 no. So, so, so again, so the shock says you are allowed to feed it to, to your workers. He says that, that seems to be a general, uh, a general practice. So he says that, um, in fact, that's not getting, uh, making a profit off of it. Um, that's just uh, using it uh, for, that's just hanah. That's not Sukhara. So there's no Isser Hanah. I can get Hanah from it for my own benefit. So that's considered to be for my own benefit. Now, if I am, however, um, running an entire enterprise and one of my obligations in the enterprise is that I have to feed the residents, so then that's part of my business model. That's not just, oh, you know, I'm uh, giving this away to my workers. So there, um, Rabbi Kushner says that that's more problematic. What he suggests is that you hire a food manager and the food manager is the one who is going to own all of the food. He's going to be responsible for procuring all of the food, owning all of the food. They can get whatever food they want to get. So therefore, they're the ones who would presumably be getting a benefit if they decide that they're going to buy non-kosher food and pay it to the residents. It's not you. You're not the ownership of that business. You are simply hiring this uh, third-party food manager. And that's the way that he suggests that you avoid the problem with respect to the, um, with respect to the nursing homes. Um, now, even within this mach locus, if you are going to be machmer like the Ramah, one thing that you're allowed to do even with these Suri is to give money to a worker and say to the worker, oh, go and buy, you know, whatever uh, lunch you want to buy with this food. And then if the worker decides on their own, they're going to buy non-kosher food. Even if they would decide to buy chumets on Pesach, that would be okay. And then there's a question if it's you're going to reimburse them afterwards. So then, you know, maybe it's considered as if the storekeeper, you know, who gives out all the food is sort of like your shliach, if it's sort of a reimbursement afterwards. Um, but there, um, the Chokas Binyamin says he thinks you could be mekel, especially since um, there's the shita of the shach anyway, uh, that you're allowed to uh, serve a non-kosher food to your, um, to your workers. What um, you yes. And you're taking people out from the law firm to lunch. Yes. I highly recommend also to go to a non-kosher restaurant in general is problematic. So why would you, you know, want to do that? Um, so just take them to a nice, we have in Chicago a lot of really good kosher restaurants and very good, very good kosher supervision. So that's why I would highly recommend. <laughs> a lot, a lot more to discuss, but I think we have to dive in mind. Okay, stop here. Thank you very much for the